We want education to be the best that it can be for our kids. So we look at ways that we can change it, both big and small ways. On today's episode, we chat with someone who's using VR, virtual reality, to make education better for every kid by radically changing education. Welcome to the STEM Everyday Podcast. Each episode features educators sharing their practical ideas to put more science, technology, engineering, and math into every classroom every day. For show notes and more information, visit dailystem.com. Here's your host, Chris Woods. Well, welcome to this episode of the STEM Everyday Podcast. I'm so excited that we get to chat with Anurupa Gangali. She is a former educator in Boston. She led STEM curriculum and teacher prep in Boston and New York City Department of Ed and some charter schools out on the East Coast of the United States. And now she's the founder and CEO of Prisms VR. PrismsVR.com is where you can find out more about it. Just incredible work that she's doing, but I'm so excited, educators, that we can talk about thinking about radical, not incremental change in education. So welcome to the show today, Anurupa. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. And and I'm excited. Maybe if you could just give us a little bit of background of, of what you're doing right now and, and how, how you kind of jumped into education and went all off into starting something with VR. Yeah, absolutely. I think the the origin story is always really important because it has so much impact and influence on on how I think about the work that we do. Uh, So my training was as an engineer. I was at MIT as an electrical engineering and computer science student. And it's there where I really began to learn about, you know, the the fragility of the K-12 math and science understandings such that, you know, when they're pressure tested and you have to create and contribute versus just reproduce knowledge, really kind of how that affects historically underserved students. Throughout my tenure, I saw a huge drop off of minority students and, and female students and I became incredibly compelled um, around how to really fill these gaps for our youngest students so that as they go through our system, they don't experience the heartbreak that so many of our students do you know, in their pursuit of STEM. And, and really, I mean, we want to just give every kid that, that best education we can. And, and some kids just for, you know, a number of different reasons, they hit those walls, they hit those barriers, they hit those boundaries, and they just stop or they give up. And so you have tried to come up with ways to really change education. And, and part of that is the, the Prisms VR that we're going to talk about. But just, just talk about that. You, you want it to have a, have a career focus. You want it to have a problem-solving focus and trying to build an emotional connection with kids. Yeah. So, I mean, at the base level, if you think about the Achilles heels that we've had in math education in this country, it's been Mm -hmm. engagement and proficiency, right? We can't seem to get students engaged in a meaningful, authentic and enduring way. And as would follow suit, the the proficiencies and understandings we're building, they're they're rather short lived. We we find ourselves reteaching concepts wholesale, you know, every eight to 10 weeks because things aren't sticking. Yeah. Uh, as, As I looked more into literature and why this was happening, there are a few things that I learned, right? One was that the top indicators of success in post-secondary STEM, and this is very well studied across Russia and the U.S. at this point, mm-hmm. um, is one, your ability to rotate 3D objects in your mind and maintain perspective of that object. It's, it's what we call spatial reasoning. Yeah. And two, your ability to abstract from real world and real life situations. So kind of the, the Isaac Newton trope, right? He was sitting under a tree, an apple fell, and he was able to mathematize that experience. And if you think about those two uh, competencies, our K-12 math system currently doesn't in any methodical way develop those, right? And so right. when I when I discovered that, oh my goodness, those are, those are the root indicators, and yet we've kind of left it to chance whether or not students leave our system with those skills. 
But of course, if you look in our textbooks, I mean, we've got plenty of story problems and that's what educators think. Oh, if I have a bunch of story problems, then it's going to connect with kids. And yeah. Yeah. I, I have every person that's looked at a math textbook before, I guarantee, you know, there, there are so many irrelevant attempts at trying to be relevant. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what you're kind of hearkening to is, is, is what does it truly mean to be relevant? Yeah. Right. And, and there are a few things that, that, that I think of, I think of, there's gotta be that emotional resonance. And what I mean by that is storytelling is a big part of learning in ELA and history, even in yeah. some cases science, but it's never permeated our pedagogies in the math classroom of how do we bring people into a problem through a first person narrative, not showing them a video, not showing them of like, Hey, someone else thinks this is important, but I'm going to give you an experience that shows you and creates an intellectual need for a certain mathematical concept. And you know what? At that point, once I've triggered that fire of you feeling like you need this for your community, for your friend, for your family, you're going to go and figure it out. And it's that fire that we're unable to really kind of ignite with our students, which is why we get stuck in this these horrible loops of remediation and reteaching. That's only happening because they don't care about it. Right. And you said that fire. I mean, I think of that that paradigm shift that we really need to make it more accessible to all the kids. You know, just showing them a video is, is great. But if that video doesn't connect with the kids and if they can't say this is something that affects me in my life, in my community, in my neighborhood, and, and it wouldn't matter to them. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I, and I really like that you mentioned of if we were to open up our textbooks today and you looked at the, the, the problems that we have in there, you would probably think one of two things. This is from like the 1990s. We're not even solving these types of problems anymore. Technology, public policy, they're in a totally different place today. So mm -hmm. engaging kids in these sorts of problems, they again feel a disconnect between mm -hmm. what they're learning and then the types of problems that they actually want to contribute to. Yeah. Um, and then the other is that the assumptions have been so curated. We've taken out the, the really important part of modeling, which is you look at a situation and you got to make your assumptions to figure out how do you even create a math problem, which yeah. is why when kids go into having to uh, you know solve real problems, they haven't learned the skill of modeling. They're looking for that perfectly curated math problem for the teacher or the textbook publisher to do. That hasn't been done. And guess what? That's the end of their mathematical or quantitative reasoning journey. That means that every problem that they figure out in the world isn't going to have like a nice, easy answer, like seven or 23. I mean, <laughs> I, I, you're, you're blowing my mind here. Um, and again, we're chatting with Anurupa Gangali, and she's from PrismsVR, PrismsVR.com. But just thinking about that engagement and proficiency and, and how important that is. And, you know, we think about kids at, at the start, they need those foundational skills. So, so what you've tried to do is you said, these kids have these foundational skills, but we have to build the engagement to help them to become proficient by trying to create these, these real relevant problem solving type situations, right? Absolutely. And so if, if I were to kind of uh, jump into what what we're currently building, just to kind of give yeah. you an example of how I think about this, there are three key things, right? One, like we said, students have to authentically be engaged in a context or a real world problem so that they understand what it means outside the classroom to go from an experience, a situation, an issue, and learn how to mathematize it. So that right. all of our modules begin with an immersive where uh, students put their headsets on and they're physically in an environment. The, the first module we built was on the pandemic because we were born during the pandemic. And I was passionate to really create an opportunity for teachers to 
uh, discuss the mathematics and the mathematical reasoning underlying what was going on versus the ver- the highly emotional and political discussions, which I found to be less helpful, to be mm-hmm. to be quite honest. And so in our first module, pandemic, students put their headsets on and they get to experience the spread of a virus physically. So they get to kind of feel what is what does multiplicative growth look like when I spread mm-hmm. it to five people through 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 different behaviors like touching their hand, going too close, not wearing a mask. And so it's not an intellectual connection with multiplicative growth. It's a it's it's a physical and perceptual one. And then what we do from there is students accept a mission. As I as I said before, everything is story driven. Stories matter. Stories are powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the students accept their mission. How many weeks until the hospitals are going to reach uh, capacity in my community? That's a very tangible problem uh, as kids are seeing it in the news. And so there, it's not this esoteric abstract problem. They're like, this is happening in the world today. It, they're going to feel, you know, we tested with kids across a variety of, of schooling models in New York, Boston, Cape, Lee County in Florida. And every kid come out, came out saying, for the first time in the last 12 months, I felt as though I had the tools to contribute to this discourse and to solve the problem versus just kind of watch videos and see people yelling, having yelling matches on television is, again, that first person agency is, is so critical. And it's, it's what virtual reality affords students in, in the classroom. And so to kind of go back to the, the pedagogy I was talking about is like yep. you, your mission. And then we've strategically sequenced tasks to help students, uh, you know, solve that mission while not kind of overtaking their thinking. Some some of the challenges you have with scaffolding a larger task is you put down the pebbles such that they could never reproduce that. Um, and so we we're very mindful of how do we break it apart so they're still doing a lot of rich thinking in each of the individual tasks, as well as connecting to the next task. Um, so to give you an example, they experience that multiplicative growth in their bodies. They then connect that to a 3D simulation where they get to see what that growth rate looks like under different containment protocols. They then connect that to a tactile data visualization tool that they can annotate and really see week to week what does that growth pattern look like? And it's again, it's highly tactile because we believe that, you know, mathematical structure yeah. is highly correlated with kinesthetic activities. And, you know, the NSF and NIH have, have funded us to really um, get underneath this pedagogy and understand what types of organized movements are connected to greater mathematical reasoning and thinking. Uh, once they've connected that to a data visualization, we then help them connect that to a 2D graph and table, and then finally an equation. So what you, what I hope you took away from from this narration is, yeah. I went from the 3D understanding of an exponential function to mm-hmm. a simulation to a, uh, a a data visualization, which is which is 3D, but it's now out of context. I've gone up a couple layers of abstraction, right? And you helped me connect that to a 2D and 1D. But 100% of kids, when they got that equation, y is equal to five to the x. They were able to say, I know what that five is. I spread it to five people. It's not this thing I was told. I know why X is in the exponent. I saw that repeated multiplication over and over again. And all you did is show me that's a convention. That's not that's not the math. That's just a way to write it. The math is actually what you experienced. Right. And and I'm thinking a lot of teachers on Arupa are listening and they're elementary school or they're middle school. And they're saying, you know, some of these ideas are, are above me. And, and, and that's okay. Um, these are things that, that kids would be building up to and then taking, these would be like courses for algebra, algebra one, algebra two, things like that. So if you're listening and you're like, that sounds complicated. Now, don't just dismiss this because you can also, as an educator, you could be thinking, how do I disrupt what I've been doing and come up with these ways to, to build in story where it does make sense to those kids and, and help them to understand any type of typical situation that you're trying to teach in their classroom. 
I agree. And I think the more that we really align ar- around the pedagogies that are effective, K-5, mm-hmm. 6, 8, and 9, 12, our kids will be better off. Yeah. You know, I, I, when I was in Boston, I worked across the K-12 curriculum, I would go into my elementary classrooms and there was such an emphasis on manipulatives and concrete to abstract. And somehow that yeah. just that disappears as our children get older, where they're just inundated in the abstract. And the the idea that we've developmentally um, kind of evolved from needing to be be tactile in our learning and use visualizations and use rich problems, you know, at the age of 16, we don't need that anymore at 16 versus, you know, 10, I think, I, I think has a bit, been a part of the problem. So I love that you brought up that continuity of these design principles across the curriculum. Yeah. And though we start with algebra, algebra has just been the Achilles heel in the secondary math and science curriculum mm-hmm. for, for many, many years. So yeah. it's, our, it's our starting point. But as soon as we we really test and pilot and show the, the power of this of this pedagogy using VR, we're gonna quickly build out grade, grade seven and eight math, uh, physical sciences, high school physics, high school calculus. Uh, it, this pedagogy is, is very transferable, right? The idea right. is I experience something in the world that's important. It connects me to interesting vocations and careers uh, yes. and what people have to do in the real world. And then I mathematize it, right? Because as, as you know, as a math educator, there are a hundred thousand applications of mathematics and yet our kids leave our system saying, I want to be a doctor, a lawyer, an athlete, or a, a software yep. developer. Yep, exactly. Yep. And and that careers piece is so important, Anarupa. And and I think of how many educators, maybe you've gone through the education process, you learned how to become a teacher, and you've been in the classroom and and you're not familiar with some of those high-tech jobs out there, with some of those uh, jobs that are just changing our future, changing our, our economy, changing our world. And so uh, things like this make sense to, to not only those kids, but also to us as we start to see some of those different types of things as well. And, and again, the PRISMS VR program, there's a lot of information if you want to find out about it for you or your school or for the high school. If you're, if you're an elementary teacher, middle school teacher, you're saying, this kind of sounds like something that would really help the kids in our community. Um, PRISMSVR.com, that's where you can find out more about it and connect with Anarupa. But, um, and, and some educators are thinking, okay, how do I do that? I'm, I'm not technological. I, how do I do this? Great question. So the way that, that I've designed this has really come out of my work with hundreds of thousands of teachers in the U.S. So the, the, the teacher as the end user and the beneficiary of this product has been has been top of mind for me. I think mm-hmm. we've been putting wiffle bats in the hands of our teachers for decades now and having entire generations of teachers internalize failure as their own. And yeah. yet the, failure, the failure was a tool. It wasn't the person. Right. Right. So um, there are three core components to our learning solution. One is what we've been discussing a bit, which is the VR environment. It's the, it, it's the tactile learning environment that children and uh, and, and students are immersed in. Mm-hmm. Uh, teachers are not immersed in VR while kids are in there. They have a high level view of the classroom and they have a synchronous teacher dashboard. Uh, it's it's browser based. So you can use it on your tablet, your laptop. And what that shows you is exactly where every student is. You know, kids have a watch in VR. So teachers are able to see who are the students that are at risk of not completing the instructional objectives within the time and really focus their feedback uh, and providing high leverage feedback to those students just in time. But what's kind of different or special rather is that it's not like just performance data that you're using. So it's not students got this right or wrong or they put in five or they put in an equation. You can click on a task that a student is struggling with and you can see everything they've done so far. So, you know, she can click on her little uh, chat icon and send, hey, Pete, grab your 3D pencil and go back to your table and look at what's happening between rows two to three. 
we have read receipts so a teacher can see, well, did the student read it? Did they pick up the pencil? Or did they go do something else? And so that sort of feedback mechanism that we have in place that allows that immediate real-time feedback based on multimodal data with different tool usage, different hints versus like the right, wrong, 10, 12, you know, inputs. Yep, put in the answer. I think it's really powerful. And then the third part of the product that's, that teachers have found very beneficial is a full wraparound curriculum. Um, and that's essentially, we provide a scope and sequence for each of our learning modules. For algebra, uh, we have five topics, core topics, linear, quadratics, exponentials, bivariate statistics, and systems of equations. Uh-huh. So for each of those topics, you get a, a full VR module, and then you get, you get a full scope and sequence, which comes alongside an implementation guide that shows you exactly how to launch the module, what data to be looking at while kids are immersed on your dashboard, and then how to use those misconceptions to drive the whole class debrief once they've come out of VR, because that's a very, very important part where you want to converge on the vocabulary and the procedures. Now, it's going to go way faster. You know, one of the things we learned is that in our modules, kids are learning much more quickly because as one student put it, he's like, I've sat in two years of algebra, and for the first time, I understand what an exponential function is, quote there unquote. Yeah. And it was it's very profound, but what teachers are finding is that their procedural lessons or some of their more traditional lessons are going so much faster now because kids understand the structure of these equations and the structures of these of these math concepts. Yeah, you've taken it beyond some new technique or whatever. You're, you're really humanizing the mathematics. You, you're trying to, to cultivate like that, that mathematical heart. And I'm pulling some of those ideas from a blog post on your, on your website, thinking about how do we help kids right back to what we started with, Anarupa, just engaging with that and, and getting that proficiency through understanding a situation, seeing a real problem, not just a fake story problem, and something that can really help them to, to take it beyond just a worksheet that's sitting in front of them. And so I, I know there's costs. Every educator always has to think about those kind of things. But as, as educators, if, if something like this sounds interesting to you, our schools are buying curriculums all the time, and, and they have to, to think about some of those things. And of course, there's information and stuff about those costs on the website, but they have to buy like the software and the hardware, right? Yes, there are two core parts of the the, the product. One is the cart of headsets that, and the charging station. So it's actually quite easy. They're, they're power walls. So it's not, not a, a cart on wheels that you have to lug around mm-hmm. and kind of you can mount them in a classroom and then move over to a storage room or, or another uh, teacher's classroom. So that they're quite uh, portable, essentially. Good, because and, then because then more than one educator could be doing, you know, this and then, you know, then they're using it in the science classroom and they're using it in a different level math classroom and things like that. Exactly. The, the, the purpose of VR is not in education is not every day. You don't need VR every day. You need to ground learning in experience. But then after that, a lot of the lessons you have are going to actually go pretty, pretty smoothly and pretty efficiently because kids have that physical, tangible understanding. Yeah. And so the way that a lot of our teachers are using it is in, in, a, in a particular school building. You'll have two to three teachers use it. So, you know, one teacher uses it Monday, Tuesday, the other uses it Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, there's a lot of use cases, primarily algebra. The algebra library can be used, of course, to augment your algebra one course. It can be used uh, for by algebra two teachers. We have a lot of uh, geometry teachers using it because, again, it's this foundational course of how to create tables, graphs, and equations of context and and of situations and of mathematical situations. So there's a lot of sharing happening. I think what's exciting is that people realize that even if a student has two to three VR experiences in, in a year, uh, there's a lot of value because it's so radically different from how 
students and children are, are, are taught to sense make. Um, you know, our kids are standing, they're moving, they're creating their workspaces in VR. There's a very high level of agency and yeah. re- resonance, going back to the word that I use, and that's, that stays with them. Mm-hmm. A lot of our, our first user testers in um, the NSF phase one study that we ran, kids mm-hmm. use kids used one module throughout the year. And just that one experience was really transformative. We had some students coming out and saying, you know, I've always been a C student. I finally understand. And one young young woman signed up for Girls Who Code this summer, and she had wanted to be a teacher before, which is a, a valiant profession. I was a teacher. I, I still I consider myself still a teacher. Yeah, but, now yeah. she, but now she wants to be an engineer, right? Because it just opened up her horizons and opened up her, her, her mindset of, oh my gosh, I can do this. Because it's actually not as confusing because I'm a kinesthetic learner. I'm a visual learner. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm a learner that seeks meaning and seeks purpose. And I now have those things, which makes me compelled. That's a very kind of long and circuitous way of saying there's a lot of sharing going on because even a few experiences throughout the academic year goes a long way for kids. Yeah, right on, Anurupa. And and I'm thinking to so many kids, it's just that exposure, like you said, it's, it's helping them to realize that oh, these are these types of careers that are out there, or I could do this, just getting them beyond that, like we talked about at the start, you know, they may feel frustrated for one reason or another. And so many kids, they, they want to be problem solvers, they want to, to solve problems in our world, they want to help our world, they want to make the world a better place. And so so thinking through real situations is going to, to help them to understand the authenticity of learning some of that math to help them in some of those future careers. So uh, just, just awesome. And, and I want to give everybody just a, um, a real heads up here. When, when Anurupa was talking to me before we started this podcast, she's like, Chris, I don't want this to be a sales pitch. I, I, I don't want it to be that. I just want to talk about how important it is for us to radically rethink education and, and not just let's just incrementally change by getting the new updated version of the book. I mean, so I, I want to thank you for that, Anurupa. And, and I hope everybody listening just completely understands we're trying to just help kids. That's what it's really all about. It really is. And I think that the things we're talking about around real world problem solving, task based instruction, uh, concrete to abstract. I mean, these are things in pedagogies, Chris, we've known for a long time. I'm not saying anything new. You're not saying anything new. I think what I am saying is that we have to diverge from these these ed tech tools that actually never allowed us to scale the pedagogies we wanted to, but it's all we had. Right. And I, I guess I'm, I'm telling, this is a call to the teacher community that we can finally, using new modalities of learning, uh, we can really begin to see and actualize what we've wanted to see, inspire problem solving and move away from, and that doesn't mean that there won't be lessons that are paper, pencil, everything in life is a balance, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm not swinging the pendulum in the, in the other direction. There is now an opportunity to radically diverge from how we how we do business and scale everything that we've been reading in the research and we see at NCTM every year and that and, and that's a very powerful moment and which is why I want everyone to kind of go learn more about Prisms VR not because we have to have every single person using Prisms VR, but it's just putting more context into the arena of thinking of what are ways that we can scale these pedagogies and to get more ideas. And I want to hear about your thoughts. We're currently building algebra, geometry. Yeah. And I want to hear from from educators and 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 teachers around the country. What do you want to see? What are your pain points? Um, and really, kind of helping us uh, respond to that. Yeah, especially educators. If you've got that great idea, like this is something that could really connect that uh, that problem solving aspect, that making it an actual situation, authentic opportunity or problem to solve for a particular class. 
definitely share it with them. They'd, they'd love to hear that. And again, prisonsdr.com is where you can find all that information and, and find out about just how to get more info. And, and I'm sure Anurupa would be happy to, to chat with any of you that uh, want to find out about that for your school, for your district, for your community, for your state and uh, country, province, wherever. So really appreciate it. Any other last thoughts, Anurupa? Yeah, I'm, re- I'm really glad that you said that. I, I think the parting thought is, you know, we already have about 20 districts who have signed on and, and there's a, a lot of excitement and we're all together leading a bit of a revolution. And the one thing I would say is this is the year where it's, you know, kids are coming back. You can call it whatever you'd like, but there was lost time, right? Mm-hmm. There was lost time for them to grow the, their mathematical understandings and reasonings. And we know what happens when kids come back what, behind or our perception of behind. We put them in front of more drill and kill. We put them in front of worksheets from last year and workbooks from last year, and we absolutely kill their engagement. And remediation and re-engagement have, have typically been seen as a punishment. So I'm mm-hmm. urging districts that PRISMS offers a delightful, engaging remediation tool so those kids who have never seen themselves as quote unquote math people when they see this is what remediation means it's going to totally transform the definition of re-engagement with content that you struggled with right it's building a new memory of 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 what you what you used to struggle with and so this is again just kind of a, a plea to our community of don't go back to those resources that we know never worked give these newer resources a try because we want to be creating these new memories of what it means to learn and engage with math especially for are underperformers. Yeah. And and you use that word delightful. And so many educators out there, even themselves, when they were students in math class, they did not think of the word delightful when they were thinking about their math or science class. So really appreciate that, Anurupa. And, and that's what we want for our kids. We want it to be uh, something that they're excited to go to, not just something that they dread or have an anxiety to go to as well. So really appreciate everything you're doing, Anurupa. Thank you so much, Chris, for for having us and being the voice for um, these new creative ideas across grade level and subject matter. Hey, no problem. I'm here. I'm here because I love the educators out there doing the same things that I'm doing in my classroom, trying to make things better for each and every kid, each and every day. So again, check out more at prismsdr.com. Really appreciate Anarupa Gangali for joining us today on the STEM Everyday Podcast. Remember, subscribe to the podcast. You can find out about great ideas to help your kids. Every kid, every classroom, every day, engage with STEM and really understand it and really get excited about their learning again. And thanks again, educators, for listening. Have a super day and keep up the great work with kids.